Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Um... How the devil am I? Uh, you're asking. Well, if you could see me now, uh, my face is stuck into a microphone. And I'm not joking, I've got my head under a big blanket because I'm recording this intro from London. And uh, where we're recording, it's a little bit noisy. So um, producer Griff jokingly said, uh, shove that blanket over your head, get a little sound booth. Um, and I did it. Uh, so hopefully it's working. How are you? Is everything all right? It's episode 54 with the incredible Bill Ryder-Jones. Now, I asked you on social media this week, I asked you to do a little bit of homework, nothing taxing, something very enjoyable, was to try and listen to Bill's first album, If. Have you done it? So, What? Good, very good. Good you have. Now, that person at the back with the hand up who hasn't done it, don't worry, I want you to listen to this episode. In fact, all of you, I want you to listen to this episode and then go back and listen to some of Bill's music. I think it'll, uh, yeah, you'll have a different spin on it. Um, we went up to Manchester and we were welcomed by our friends at Ziffer Blatt on Edge Street, uh, who very kindly gave us a space to record. And uh, we met with Bill and we got down to it. We had a brilliant conversation, something that, that uh yeah stayed with me for a fair few days he's an incredible musician and a lovely guy and yeah look we go deep in this conversation we go everywhere um so yeah uh just get yourself sat down right pop your feet up just stop what you're doing for a second and listen this is episode 54 with the fantastic Bill Ryder Jones. Enjoy and I'll see you at the end, okay? I think that last last lot of interviews I did, I was quite candid and for this record or like this bit of my life, I'm probably not gonna give that much away. So it'd be nice to just have something like this. Yeah. Where I do I'm happy to say and talk and yeah. be honest and yeah. stuff. I'm probably just gonna so it'd be nice for that to exist before I go zip it a little yeah, bit. Do you know what I mean? Put a line underneath. A little things. bit. I don't want. Yeah, I just I don't like doing people's jobs for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I got to that place. It was the only thing that was getting talked about was the mental state. And, and also, sometimes yeah. people just want a fucking soundbite off you. Uh, yeah, and I do. I think, that, and, I th- and I also think it's a slice of it. it, it, it you try, you say things um, in a it being well-meaning, and there's, there's, there's the culture for romanticising difficulty here. I think is really quite quite bad. Yeah, you know, and that stigma um, as well. Yeah, well, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm, no. I'm quite. Yeah, but I'm I'm, sad, I'm but, talking. Yeah, well, I just think like I'm a you know, sixteen-year-old shouldn't shouldn't not that they're particularly listening to like 16 year olds are listening to me like <laughs> still 45 year olds who like my music you know, no. already know their shit like but, yeah 
you get like when you're a kid and you think what's great about Ian Curtis is his troubles and that and it, it's not at all you know that's really what's that's the worst bit you know and I think so anyway but I think there's a door now where people are talking more it's even even the kids because <clears throat> who are they looking up to the people that are putting their heart and soul out onto social media and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing I don't know I'm still on the fence about it but at least there's a conversation to the be dialogue had. has to be there I totally agree I think yeah. it's brilliant that it is happening more and more I just feel like I now need to be in control of who that's getting put to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the enemy online come to me for a quote during mental health week. I'll do it, but I think twice about it. But I do a lot of stuff where there aren't microphones, speak to people in that way, do you know what I mean? To try and... What, in a, in a face-to-face? Well, I, I'm like a... a I'm a, a what do you call it? Um, ambassador to a mental health charity in Liverpool, so I do a lot, a lot with them. Without, you know, it's it's, it's tricky because you do like you know it's best for it to be seen if you're talking about it. Just a bit like, don't want to get tired with the mad brush. To paraphrase, yeah, I know, but people <laughs> would think that, wouldn't they? But I think it's. I, I was talking to somebody the other day because somebody. I'm going to start doing something new on the podcast, but that's by the by. But somebody <clears throat> either texted or messaged in or emailed in. And they said, you know, I've had a real struggle mm. with things. And then I listened to one of your episodes and it, it totally mirrored what I was going through and it really helped. Of course and that, did. I just thought, well, that's amazing because yeah. from one conversation has sparked something else. Absolutely, yeah. And, and like, I've, I've been part of that and loved that. I think this decision for me is more... Now, I've, I've done a fair bit and I feel like as an artist, because I do think of myself quite seriously as an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's there's an ownership that's happening between people who listen to artists and people who are artists, and I'm conscious that I, I would like some enigma. For, you know, not not for any cool or anything like that. I just feel like maybe it'd be good if I wasn't kind of. Saying an awful lot, but also so, you yeah. don't want. This is not what you want, is it? No, this <laughs> I want is, this in my art. But you also you don't want one thing to overtake the other. What you know, your artistry is what that's what you do for a living. And <clears throat> just because things happened in the past, they can't overtake Absolutely. what what drives you and what you yeah. do for a living. No, and and you're never gonna like, never gonna not talk. As soon as I meet someone who's engaging, who wants to know. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I will just blab or whatever, yeah. but just trying to make, like, I've put a lot of stuff into the songs, you know? And but you I can tell that when you enough, listen to your But music. I kind of feel like that's probably enough. I want people to So then they can, them, they can you know? take what they need from, from the work. Yeah, or, yeah, I think so. I just think, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just going to try and talk more about music and less about my own. Because, I mean, I have done a lot. You know, there's quite a lot out there of me. Like, in print, nothing like this. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I just... But that's why it's, it'd be nice. So I am completely open in your hands today. Yeah. If for anything that you might find interesting. You know? Good job. Well, everything. <laughs> good job. <laughs> it's a good job you're here, yeah. really. And you'd be, if you'd have come on and gone, Craig, I'll talk about a couple of things. <laughs> don't, don't ask me about the coral or my mental health situation. That's it. We're done. All right, OK. But speaking about your work, though, 
Have we started? Does, oh, yeah, we've started. Yeah. Seamless. That's it. Does it cost you for you as an artist? Because your work, I do, it, it does affect me, like, as, as, as a fan. But I, I get to sense that there's some people who can just churn out their work, whether it's um, <clears throat> a play, it's a film, it's an album kind of doesn't really affect them and they'll just carry on going on to the next. But with you, I, th- I get the sense of listening to your work that you throw everything into it and it does cost you. Do you think, do you think it does? Um, I certainly throw everything. It's a strange... I think, I think you, look, you probably look at it in a, from the other side of the table to me. It doesn't cost me anything. It is... That is my life, you know? Like the music, it isn't. I I don't um, miss out on anything that I want because I'm absorbed in what I do. I'm just absorbed in what I do. It's just my. It's everything that I am. Every every, the way I understand myself in the world comes from. My only understanding of the world is is through my inherent understanding of music. You know, I've, I've learned what I like and what I think's credible and good and artistic and of quality and sincere solely through music. And, and, and in that sense, um, I do give everything I have to it, but it, it, there is nothing... There's nowhere else to put all that, you know? Like, I don't... But do, you get, do you gain clarity... I don't think so. I, th- I think I think there is no there's no payoff. I don't think there's any sense of relief. So is it release. more that it's a very natural? Oh no, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I work like you know. I, I, I work at it. I I, I know what's the, the for me. The challenge in music is I'm I'm quite good. My ears are good. I have a good understanding of it. So I can I'm quite happily sit at a piano at request and write something of of decent quality the, the the issue is is not just doing that because that's i think i think there's a lot of people in music who are able and understand the landscape mm. and can create for it and that's how you quite quite often find your place in the world particularly for old, people of my age maybe less so uh, younger Artists, um, but yes, yeah, certainly finding not just doing something that I know is is will make sense to a lot of people. That's the challenge because not always, not always there is this burning desire to, you know, to to express yourself, the desire to write and to feel. I, I said earlier, there's no there's no great release. Or payoff. That's true in a sense because it never ends. No. It's every single waking minute. But there is a high that lasts for moments or weeks when you know you've done something that is solely yours and you know um, has just come out of you and your experience. Yeah. That that helps kind of turn the wheel. When it's stuck on, you know, when it's got stuck in whatever mud that everyone kind of kind of gets um, 
stuck in occasionally. Yeah. And is there a need? Do you think there's a need for you to to be doing what you're doing? When I when because when I said natural, I didn't mean that. Oh, you're you're a, a, a natural musician. I mean, the well, it's the only natural way that this is what I have to do in my life. Yeah, that, that, that that's absolutely way. true. Yeah, there isn't there isn't anything um, that that does the same thing for me as as making music. That's certainly partners and people um i mean i guess maybe you know if there is a cost that might you could people you know i gather that that might that that my obsession with it might impinge on personal relationships um and has it done in the past well not in my head (laughs) (laughs) but after you know when they leave uh, you know, you you might maybe question it then. Uh, but again, I'm a very accepting of people, and I kind of only really expect that that in return. You know, I kind of, um, particularly with partners. I mean, I've been with, I've had three brilliant partners in my mm. life, and have all gone way in above, like to help me in personal situations. You know, all those things. And I've all, at times, struggled, I think, with the, 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 the wiring. And certainly the wiring's maybe perhaps a little bit mixed up, but has found music as a way to make sense of itself. So I kind of have to shrug a little bit and say, well, you know, <laughs> you know, you can't have the fiver without having the Queen's head on the back of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. we don't want, particularly want that, but I want the fiver, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I've always tried to see um, see people as not... When I've been with people, I've always tried to see them not as extensions of me, you know, or, 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 or how their makeup affects my, my makeup, you know? Yeah. Um, but I probably... But, yeah... I'm, I'm sure it gets quite irritating, doesn't it? If you're, if you're, <clears throat> you know, if you work, you, you work a lot. I don't think people like that very much. Well, it's cause sometimes that's hard to sort of maintain uh, the relationship in, mm. in whatever field of creativity you do. If, and also, I don't know, I suppose if you go into a party and you're really drunk and then the other person isn't, you're just on two different levels. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's a, a base it's, comparison. Yeah, but, yeah. When you're <clears throat> just to talk about work for a second, and then we can we'll move on to other stuff. But when you're being given a, a film <clears throat> to score, do you feel that you have a, still a great sense of control of of your work as opposed to your other stuff, or because you're adding another layer to somebody else's vision? Does that? Well, I think that, and I only say that because. You're going to offer me some work? No, no, no. <laughs> I wish. That'd be good. I've offered you some work. This is it. Now you're getting paid for this. He's not getting paid for this. Um, no, because uh, my very good friend, Kieran Hawkes. Oh, I know. Yeah, Yeah, because I saw right him a few on, weeks yeah. ago and I said you were going to come on the podcast. So and Kieran's the last person who gave me work in that world. Really? Yeah, Piggy was, was that seven years ago or something like that? It was about that, wasn't it? Yeah, he's great. Okay. I like he's... I like watching him from afar carry on and do great, you know. He's a good air game. I like him. Um Answering the question is, I, I know that the only re, the, the only reason I might get a job is because 
because of who I am in the sense of what I can bring to it. Yeah. Um, I'm not good enough, I'm not schooled enough in music to do a brilliant job if I'm not talking about myself, essentially. If I'm not... Like, particularly with Kieran's film with Piggy, um, like, had I not been... if Had he not wanted If, which was my first record, had he wanted something else, then it, we wouldn't have come to me. Yeah. So I know... I will t- tend to only take on work if I feel like, well, they're here because they want me to do my thing. Um, I like... I like um, adding to what's there. I think there's a real... One of the one of the joys of writing to image is that you don't... Well, one of the issues with write, not writing to image is, well, what is this thing that I'm doing? Like, what is the point of it now? Like, I know the point is me. I need to do it because I feel... Because I've got six hours to kill tonight. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, Or, or like, I don't know. Nothing's happening and I can't bear this silence or whatever. Um, with film or image, you don't have to worry about that. It, and and it's quite easy to make sense when you see something, for, for me as a, as a writer, to go, oh, well, that makes absolute sense. You know, it's like giving advice to someone. Yeah. It's just so obvious what you should do. You yeah. know what should happen yeah. here. Um, and it seems to just roll off the tongue like... Dubious uh, advice of questionable, <laughs> questionable uh, uh, quality, um, but still, still, if I if I don't emotionally engage with it, I'm really not that. There's certainly better people out there to just give you a, you know, like a solid film score. Do the job, oh, yeah, film yeah. score, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, so I know that, like. But I, I, but I like it like that, you know, because I, I like I need to be consumed. I think, truthfully. yeah, and I, I need, always need a job on. Um, Are you one that always needs mm. to keep working? Like, because we're just coming off the back of summer, mm. and I wanted to try and take the summer off. Mm. Certainly with with the podcast as well as other work, just to sort of get my head clear and mm. be with the family and do a bit of travelling. Are you all right? Can you? Have time off, or you one that wants to get back on the bike and keep pedalling? Yeah, no, I like to. Well, I, I'm, I'm quite. I wake up in the morning, like get out of the house and get to the studio. See, I love that. Mm. I, I, you know, because as actors, you work on constantly. You're waiting for this script, or waiting for someone to yeah. open that door or say yes. Because uh, that's what I envy about musicians, but I also love it as well that you can go. I'm get up in the morning. What am I going to do? Yeah, I'm going to write that song. Yeah, right, yeah. Like my wife was go, going to meet a friend of ours who's a musician. He said, I, I can't meet until later on because I've just got to finish the lyrics of this song. It's going to take me a bit of time. But you can do that because he's constantly creating. Right, yeah, yeah. Do you, are, you, are you one of those who just gets up and just wants to be there? Or Yeah, well, I have a studio now and I like being there. Where's the studio? It's in the village out of West Kirby. West Kirby. It's like two minutes from my mum's, three minutes. Which is where you were born? Not born, no, I was born... In uh, Warrington, Warrington, and I lived in Warrington for a time before your before your time. Before my time, yeah. You don't remember Call Eileen Bilton, do you? No. Used to be big banners about houses. Call Eileen Bilton. No. I don't <laughs> well, we were. I were only born there. They lived in Manchester. I don't know why. I don't know if they were passing through. 
mum's like like mum's like no my dad's mum and I all moved to North Liverpool from Bolton um, and my mum's like are all from like Wigan Manchester uh, so they must have been I assume they were driving I've never asked them I <laughs> assume they were just driving and she was like oh it's just up there it's just up yeah, the <laughs> alright there you go that explains a lot. Like. How long did you stay growing up in Warrington? <clears throat> no, no, we 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 lived in um, Salford. Oh, did at you? The time, well, at the time, maybe in Cheshire somewhere, and then Salford and um, Greenmount, um, uh, Ramsbottom, Ramy Way. Yes, you don't know. Um, we moved over to West Kirby in like eight, 1989. Right. My dad got a job out in Birkenhead. What was your dad doing for a living? At the time, he was a bank manager. Was he? Yeah. He was cool, yeah. He, um, yeah, he did that for a while. A long time, actually. Yeah. You enjoy it? Nah, um, maybe. He was, he's weird, me, me dad. He's, he's a good man. He, he's got that thing. He dragged himself up out of the brake met, which is like an estate in Bolton. Pretty, yeah. pretty, like, mm. full on. Took me there once. I was like, Whoa. Um... And, like, really worked is, you know, grafted. Both my folks are proper hard workers. What was your mum doing for a living? My mum's was, like, an auxiliary nurse and um, a cleaner and an ironer and um, all that stuff. But she... Super bright, my mum. She, um... She'd, she'd done the kids thing, though. So that was you and who else? Me and our Daniel. Just, just, just two just boys? Just the two of us, yeah. Yeah. Um, but things, yeah, good things good with your brother. Did you have a good, were you a good pairing growing up, or were you like sparring brothers? Um, tricky. This really, Daniel passed away when I was younger, um, and my memories of him are kind of nil to one or two. That's I think. Right. Um, my the. The memory of him that isn't just photographs. We're of quite a loving, but super talented. I remember, remember assuming because, like I've mentioned before, like I've got good ears for music, I, mm-hmm. you know. But our Daniel was very, very gifted. He played violin. That was one of the few memories I've got of him. Is he learned? Borak's New World Symphony on the violin. It was really? it was on Hovis advert at the time. You know, yeah. a famous one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of assumed that was what people were like, I think. And that perhaps I was subpar musically, you know. It was way, way later that I kind of realised that he was probably very, very um, prodigious, you know. Yeah. Um... But yeah, other than that, they're doing a great, great deal there. You know. Where did the the musicianship come from? From your parents? Don't know really. There's no. We don't know. We, we don't know who my dad's dad is. So maybe there's something there. But me, yeah. My mum's mentioned this before because, like, she can't sing or play out. My dad. So she can. Or she can't. She can't. My dad's been trying to play piano for about. Since he retired. Has he? Yeah. That's brilliant, though, that he can start to pick something up. How's it going? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, do you know what? I joke, because he will listen to this. Um, 
I think it does a hell of a lot for him. You know, I think that's the point, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, but I think, yes, but I don't, I don't really know. Just like would have, don't really know an awful lot about like like the Welsh side of our family. You know, my dad's real dad's lot could be something in there, right? But it's one of those things that you know is is not talked about on. <laughs> until <laughs> until now <laughs> on a podcast. When do, do you remember when you first picked up an, an instrument? <clears throat> well, I had I had piano and violin lessons when I was very young. The, the parents from uh, school, or was that yeah, yeah, extracurricular? Um, actually, do you know what? Uh, violin lessons in school, and I, I I know that I binned it off because I, I found it frustrating, and because Daniel was very good at it, and I just felt like it weren't my thing. So then not, not, and I could always play piano, like as far as I remember, you know, could always just play piano. And then... So when I said naturally before, did the piano come very naturally to you? Yeah, I think so. I don't so. know why I'm doing that, because you don't know what piano <laughs> is. I'm just... I'm showing you. I'm just pretending that the piano, <laughs> the table's a piano, just so you know, at home. Um, yes, um, maybe at 13, no, maybe younger. Got interested in guitar, got some guitar lessons. And then been that again for a couple of years, and then I'll come out of frustration. Or and I, do you know what the guy? The guy told us he was moving to Dubai. What um, the teacher? Yeah, teacher. Yeah. And then he was he was on our walk home from school. We seen him washing his car about three weeks later. Really? Yeah. Lion bastard. I know. I know. Think of all the um, fun he could have had in Dubai. <laughs> 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 but. And then it was off my own bat, really. I think what had happened, you know, Britpop had happened. Like, when was that, 1995, 1996? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so probably about 12. Like, I should explain also that there's, like, six or seven years of just, like, shock. I went into shock after my brother passed, you see. So that the whole time frame of, like, eight to 14, it's like... I know it is for anyone of 35 yeah. a little bit, but then it's it's, like... I can't even be reminded. Like, so, yeah, like the Verve. I remember seeing like it was a like an MTV thing with Richard Ashcroft and Nick McCabe. I look, and I just remember watching him play guitar. And I'm like, what? What is that? You know, it's a new breed of rock star. Say again? It's like a new breed of rock star. He was like, was like the 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 king of who I thought my people were. Yeah. And still is, really. You know, yeah. I think, like, that, that as, as, a, as a, you know, 14, 13-year-old, not really, you know, you know what it's like to be a boy of that age, yeah. or anyone of that age, and then seeing someone who, on there, be incredibly talented and do it, but humble, you know, and not, and with the other guy next to him, with the sunglasses on. Yeah. You know, like, and showing him up, effectively, you know. <laughs> And, and just being kind of woken up by that, you know. And that encourage you to pick the guitar back Absolutely, up? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It was certainly, certainly that. Um, yeah, kind of remember the feeling of seeing that. Was it encouraged at school, your sort of musical ability? <clears throat> or Primary school, no. I don't, I don't think in primary school, I don't... I don't know if it was... If, if if it was a thing, secondary school, no, I don't, I, I don't think so. Certainly, I, I, 
myself included, I don't think anyone thought I was had any talent for it, you know. But I, I don't know how how you how a teacher's expected to just pick up on that. I was more or less mute throughout school. You and, were, yeah, you know, like yeah, you yeah, know, that lad that you went to school yeah. with. I don't think it's no indictment of like schooling and also certainly probably what you'd been through personally didn't really help you to uh, blossom and yeah, sort of and be I, yourself at school and I think there was there was um, there was concerns over us certainly I think and I was probably allowed to just float yeah. a little bit you know which yeah. I'm super grateful for yeah I don't know if you'd be able to I don't know if schools would be able to do that these days I don't know if they, maybe they, they can or whatever but I think Fortunately, my mum's quite well-known where I'm from. And everyone loves her because she does so much, you know. So I yeah. think, think those kind of personal ties that teachers may have with me mother or, you know, in a small community like that, in the, in the early 1990s, probably over... over writ? Over... Uh, yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Someone will know. Um, over rule... <laughs> right, I don't know. Um, yeah, any any kind of professional, you know. Um. And did you were you happy to just coast? Were you because you said you were quite grateful for them to sort of were you happy no, to be no, left alone? No, really? no, no. Looking back now, I think it was really good. But at the time, I don't, you just don't know, do you? No. Yeah. What do you know? You don't know who you are. You haven't got. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Still, so, still trying to learn that years on. Yeah, well, I, I wonder maybe that did help because I'm quite comfortable in it in my skin. You know, I speak to people a lot who aren't. And I feel like that must be hell. I did mean we, as in did, the public. Did, I yeah. didn't mean you. No, no, uh, no. It's all right if you did. I didn't. You know, you, you, I'm very honest. I'm not being offended. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I don't try and offend you. <laughs> no, but yeah. Did you have a good circle of friends in, in school? In, in primary school. Primary. To, my, pri- to be honest, my friends now are the friends I had then. Really yeah, still? Yeah, my best friend. I've, I've, I've picked up some stragglers since, but, yeah, my best friend is is the lad who lived across the road from me when, when we first moved here. And after I left the group, I reconnected with, like, a group of lads that I knew in school who were just not musicians, essentially. Yeah. Which is a joy, because they're not musicians. Why, why is it a joy? Do you find it healthier to not hang about with other musicians all the time? Do you think it's... Yeah, it's just musicians are just super competitive, right? And it never turns off, I find. There's maybe one or two exceptions that I can think of, but in the main, you you kind of... I find people do this generally, whatever circle they're in, they, they work out what their angle is. And then it's like the race to become a satire. But, you know, you go yeah. so far into like, well, that's me. Yeah. And, and, and particularly with older musicians, people that I've known for 15, 20 years, who are like, no, this is who I am now, this is my role. That, I find that super draining. And, and um, is it patronising as well at any point? I don't know because I'm only saying. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've been in a group of actors. Yeah. 
uh, before, and mm. that, that certainly can happen. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's super not all the time, super patronising. Yeah, particularly like I was always like the young lad. I was like a good bit younger than most of me musician friends in Liverpool when we started playing, mm. like 1999 or whatever. They all just decided my name was Billy, which which now I find quite I find that quite sweet. It's like a scouse thing, like they Billy. And now it's alright, but at the time I, I, I felt like I don't know. I probably had I probably had hang ups about about that stuff, but um, yeah, people love. Um, yes, in answer to your question, I, I do quite often feel patronised condescended by other musicians. Do you, speak, do you speak up when things like that happen or do you just remove yourself from the situation? I just, yeah, I certainly don't speak up. <laughs> I mean, one thing you can't do is engage in conversation with musicians because they're useless, you know? Really? Yeah, they're, they're not real people. They're, like, super self-absorbed, you know, missionaries of their, of their own... <laughs> Their own church. <laughs> Do you think they still have that stage persona on all the time? Yeah, well, the stage thing's really... It it comes, like... Everyone's got their own Mad Ziggy stardust, you know? Yeah. And I'm, it, I'm sure as actors, like, I'm sure it's rife in that, but you get one... You work out one corner of the world, go to the room for yourself, and then you... You, yeah, you, you stand by it, don't you? And, and it can be very hard to sometimes forget. I've recently just had this 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 thing, actually. I, I know, I was telling... I work primarily with artists now that are younger than myself. Not for reasons other than they get... I get suggested as maybe a safe pair of hands. Yeah. probably, I hope, sympathetic and a bit more conscious of... Yeah. of you know, the world that they're entering into, perhaps. I'd like to think that. I might just be cheap. Or, <laughs> maybe know. a bit of maybe, both is always yeah. good. I'm not that cheap. But, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. But, yeah, it would be quite possibly. Um, I did my first gig after I left the group. I did my first gig in Manchester, just um, the Castle Hotel, tiny, just around the corner. Yeah. It's mega. It's, like, the size of this room, right? And it were... It was like palpable with fear. Everyone, I could, see, I was bricking it. I'd never sang or out, you know, with people. And they were like, it was like, 50, it's old about 50 odd people. Yeah. It was full like, but there was just this fear. I could just sense people like, oh God, look at the state of him, you know, like that, yeah. that noise. Well, it's just, it, you, can, you can feel it in it the come, air when that happens. It happens, doesn't it? Yeah. And it was like four or five songs in and, I made some joke and it just come out and everyone and just attention went, you know, and just like that. And consciously or not, I was like, okay, that's, that's how I'm playing this. And then over the next five or six years of gigging, that has absolutely become a thing now where my bandmates will comment after the show on whether I've had a good one, like in my comedy set. <laughs> And I, I loathe it. I really hate it. I, like it's open your mouth, and it's just this fear of God. If they think I'm not all right, maybe I'm not. So I'm trying to say this, and then you get caught up in this. Like you know, I 
well aware that I play the, the, the super humble, modest artist quite a lot. I'm trying to address that because it's not really. I am. I'm more kind of in, into myself than than probably I suggest when I'm on stage. But it is quite a strange thing to stand up in front of people and say I'm worthy of being heard. You know that yeah. puts you in a weird zone. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes people would take offence to that and think it's one thing when it isn't. And I mm. think it's all right to stand up and go, do you know what, I'm actually pretty good at, at what what I do and I really love what I do yeah. and that's all right. If it's true. if it, Yeah, <laughs> if it's true. My God, we've, we've all been to those gigs. <laughs> Come on, get off. Where's that, where's that crook? Yeah. Get him off. Right, yeah. I had one of them the other week. I was like, I had to apologise to him. No, it wasn't the other week. It was about a month back. You had to apologise to who? I just went, sorry, guys, I'm just... Oh, to the audience? Them, yeah. They were fine. They wouldn't even notice. I, I was just, you know, you sometimes just beat yourself up more than, you know, so it's a Tuesday, so I'm going to find a big shitty stick and I'll leather myself with that all day. Yeah. Don't you? You know, yeah, and then, of course and on you do. Wednesday, you like go for a swim. But, you know, those, it's just. Well, it's balance, uh, yeah. Very, but you're not always, you're, you're not always the guy who makes the decision that that's how it's going to be that day. Right? No. Sometimes it's out of your hands. No, yeah, I find more often than not it is. Unless yeah. the night before is... Unless you've you've engineered something silly the night before. Yeah. But I, I don't do that anymore. Um, did you do that? Did you have a time of, of being sort of self-inflicted? Yeah, I was... I was, a, I was a, a, yeah, I, I was... I was quite... I'd like to say I was I was kind of troubled and that, but I think I just was a bit of a shit. For I'm, it's hard, isn't it? That I'm 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 not I'm I'm clean of drugs. Um, and I, I bulk of this year I haven't drank. Very occasionally I slip up and have a couple of nights. But um, have you got control over that now? Yeah, I'm absolutely yeah. in control. Yeah. Uh, it's, control's such a funny thing because for you, you know, you have those kind of issues which aren't always issues, sometimes they're just fun things to do, let's be honest Yeah. you can want that to stop as much, you know with all your heart and do everything you can to make it stop and then one day puff and it's not in you anymore you know, you find that thing you're trying to eat right Mm. or exercise and you can graph for months like drag yourself up and go go for your run and eat well or whatever and you and but you're not like you, you you're tricking yourself and you're like eating in the cupboard at night when everyone's a kip and, and then for some mad reason six months down the line it's dead easy to exercise well yeah it's just the same i find it's like smoking though isn't it? when i used to smoke i like smoking oh you like smoking when i when i first stopped smoking and then I wouldn't smoke for a week and I would buy a pack, take one, throw the rest of the pack away, and then it's all right, I've just had just one. one. Yeah, it's mean. like, there's never just one. It's a, I, I, I figured that... I don't know if it's a cop-out for me, but I figured that there's so many things that happen in my mind that I've never asked for or sought or... It just turns on its own sometimes that I will not beat myself up over it anymore, you know? Do you think you beat yourself up over other things too much? I'm just saying because I think 
a lot a lot of people I know do. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But sometimes I think you have to let yourself off the hook. It's, it, what, oh, thank you. What a, what a gift or what a thing to learn that would be. You know, it's at the. I, I, I think I think beating yourself up and being hard on yourself is at the root of of every illness, mental illness. Yeah, it's in there on some. You know, it's a big part of everything for me. Certainly, my in, in, in my issues, um, guilt. Where you know, I've done things that warrant me feeling guilty for. But sometimes but it's the things that things you don't that, warrant any guilt for that you worry over. They're the well, they're the worst. Yeah, you? those those like, you know, you can't. Um, but certainly, yeah, um, low self esteem, I think, and um, and kicking yourself is. Um, but it, but at the same time, you know, it's probably why why I like, why I work as much as I do. My my quality control is pretty good. Yeah, because I couldn't bear the thought of something going out that was, you know, if I like, I've had one tune released that I knew should not have been released, and I was asked politely to put it on my last record, and it's still, still just sat in the park one day and go, fucking that shit. you know, <laughs> still niggles after yeah, all this does, time, and, and yeah. maybe you know, and, and so maybe that's part of that, you know, I mean, um, well, quite almost certainly is. Can we just go back because? Maybe some people do know, some people won't know about just how the band started mm-hmm. and how you all met. Mm-hmm. So was it was it at school? Yeah, uh, secondary school we met, yeah. Um, or was it one of those, yeah, let's start a band? Or was it quite, or were you <clears> dead, were you, was it quite serious even then? <laughs> no, <laughs> do you know that band? I mean, they're, they're like... No, I, I mean like kids' dreams, in a way. Oh, I don't know. Like, I think maybe Ian... Ian, Ian always probably was going to take over the world in some way. He's, like, quite forceful like that. James, never really got much out of James. You know, James is a singer and yeah. a songwriter. Still, really. I mean... In what way you never got to know who he was? No, I mean, I knew him, I guess, like... Yeah, but it's but, always but, that thing that but, you know someone on a surface level, but you don't know who they are. Do you know what? I think... I, I know... I don't want to do the service to my relationship with James because he's wonderful man and, and emotionally like I know he's there he's got mm. me heart and all that so that's disclaimer yeah um, yeah he's a bit of a closed book you know um, but, so, but, but so, yeah so, so going back like yeah uh, no the, um, I I never wanted to do that I was quite scared of um, Ian our drummer who is just incredibly talented the artist, like he's. I hope he won't mind me saying he's mad. Like they're all mad, they're all bonkers. But you've got obviously got a great affection for them all. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you went went through too much, you know. I mean, yeah. there's loads, there's loads of crap as well. I'm still I'm quite st- angry at them for quite a lot of stuff, and I'm sure they. Well, I know they are with me, and but you know, we, we do meet up, and it's all sound, you know. It's all remember this, and you know, and and we. I think it's. It's always been known aside anything that, that that went on. Like if, if the phone call was made, you know that phone yeah, call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it would be answered. And yeah. Um, but yeah, so back to in school, like yeah, Ian, Ian was like a bit scary. I was scared of him, and it was a bit of a way out, right? Because in your played, yeah, Paul, Ian, and James all knew each other from primary school. 
me, Paul and Lee were in the same class together and just kind of, who knows, someone who's got a guitar. And it was just... It's just not been about... I think my my perception of it is super different because I never felt we were going to do anything. I loved it. Was Thank it more you. just a hobby for you? In those early days in school, I hated it. I just didn't like doing it at all. I Why? I, I, don't, I don't know. I just liked it. I was still like... I, I had a dress-up box till I was about 15. Right. I was still like... They walked in on me once in a... <laughs> it's a good story. <laughs> um, and there was a knock on our door, like eight o'clock one weeknight. I just heard, you know what that's like anyway. Yeah. I just heard my mum, uh, yeah, he's, he's in the front room. It's just panic, red panic, and see these three lads all walk in with me, playing snooker with me dad in full attire. <laughs> Uh, chalk in my pocket and honest like we're in secondary school here you know they probably like just made a can pipe do you know what I mean oh I thought that were it oh do you know what I mean so, but that's who I was you know I was like I lived in another world and was frightened of everything constant, you know like on edge type yeah. thing so like I just liked hanging around with my parents and just staying in the house and mm. things like that and playing playing my guitar. Um, but then when it started to... Then, then you know, the obviously having lost a, a brother and then you, you... That's a very strange thing to be taken into a world where you are, you know, the, the thing of a band is that you are brothers. Yeah. Like that is, you know, it's, it's daft, but it's, it's real and it's quite sweet. So I think once that thing of shit, I've got people now, you know, I always had my best friend. Yeah. But I've got these people now who are like a bit streetwise and, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, tough a bit, really. And uh, and we were good. You know, we could play. Like, we were, even at 16, we were, we were good and we got a name around Liverpool um, for being, like, because we're not from Liverpool, we're from, like, that really... Uncool peninsula just beneath. We were seen as quite, I think, oddballs, you know? Yeah. By all them, though. Um, was and it then, one of those bands where you started off doing the covers, or were you, were you, did you want to write original stuff straight away? No, we, we were like. It's just so tricky to remember all this. I think James was always writing. James was a couple of years older than us. Right. We did things like add trout mask replica jams. A lot. Like, you ever heard of you know Captain Beefheart? I I don't know a lot of Captain Beefheart. Right. I'll be honest. Well, yeah, we we were trying to learn like Pink Floyd tunes. Right. If you listen to Trout Mask Replica once, it's like this super syncopated. It sounds like nonsense, but isn't. You know, it, a bit like that five-year-old playing the piano out there. <laughs> yeah, not like that. Don't just shut up. like that. We were, yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't, I, truthfully, I can't remember. There was, I know there was a lot of like Beatles six good songbooks knocking about. Lee's dad played. That was bad to happen, yeah, it? yeah. And Lee's dad played in the cavern with all them, so he, he kind of taught Lee all the Beatles songs. And, right. Yeah, and we all picked up. But I think James was writing quite early on. 
Well, the rest of us. Oh, James was such a great writer that I don't think the rest of us really thought, maybe thought I certainly didn't think it was something that I could do. Like to any, because I remember when I, I was, I was like, I was 17 when I did our first record. I was about 18 and James and Nick were writing really, really great, well, well-crafted songs. Yeah. And you don't consider it. You try, like, really hard and that, to write something that might fit in with what they're doing, but who's going to believe me? Like, how could I even show it to them? I'm mute, you know? And also um, to have that confidence, I mean, to write something and then to I, show I your, think, your yeah. this is what has come from my heart <laughs> or my mind or the my... sliding of the paper across the table. What do you think? I it mean, would, that it, is... We all, it was funny, we all used to, like, just in practice, like, have a little thing of our own and just play it a little bit and hope James might go. What's that? <laughs> happened with Lee a lot. It didn't really happen with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. I don't know why that would be. Um, is it funny now to to think back to, like, those early days of the call and if someone had said, you know, one day, Bill, it's all right, you, you'll be solo doing your own... You wouldn't have believed them, would you? I wouldn't have wanted to, that's for sure. You wouldn't have wanted to? I mean, personally, I hate that word. Like, I find, like, I think the connotation of solo, it just, like, sets toes to curl. Like, I, you know... Like, you know, Nick Cave's not a solo artist, is he? Well, you no. know, it says his, his 19th solo record after the birthday party split. <laughs> but also, it implies, like... You know, I never left that group for a career, you know? That's what it implies, and that's, that's, that's the issue I have with it. I left that band because I wasn't well and went, to, you know, went back to university and then was tanked at that as well. What did you go to university to do? Well, anything. I wanted to do... I, wasn't, I, I had to do an access. I didn't make it through the access. Right. <laughs> I wanted to do, um, like, history because that's the only other thing that I'm kind of interested in. But I ended up doing... I did the... Actually, I'll tell a lie. I did the access. And the, the, the most Liverpoolian um, course ever, which was the social and economical history of Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> you see, like, everyone knows what they're like. Love you, Scousers, but like quite keen on, on yeah. themselves, you know, yeah. like, and what they are. Very proud. Maybe that's what I should say, very proud. I think they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Proud of who they are and where they're from. Yeah, that's not a. But I've just. I think, don't think there's anything I, wrong with that. No, I'm, I'm absolutely I, not I don't saying think there's anything wrong with no, that. No, no. <laughs> I'm not. Say, I'm not saying that. No, I, no I just you're think not, for, for you know the University of Liverpool, it seems a little um, localized. But hey, you know. Yeah. I would have done a course on the Beatles, had they? But anyway, so I t- yeah, so I tanked at that and then got a phone call off someone who said, "And my money's running out." I left that band with like very very little. Um, and someone asked me to do something, make some music. And what are you going to do? Uh, am I 26? Something like that. Right. 26, never paid tax. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Money's just been in my account every week since I'm 16. Right. It might sound pathetic, but that's me world at that point, you know? That's, yeah. I've got... Um, it doesn't sound pathetic. No, no. it's understandable. I, yeah, you absolutely. Know, yeah. Um, so yeah, but but um, but yes, and I never, ever, ever, ever wanted when I was younger to 
like they had to tell me to face the audience. Do you know what I mean? It, that was my relationship with people watching me do anything is has always been quite, you know, um, unsettling. Yeah. You know, I think that's why I started drinking actually. I never drank when I was in the car. Really? Like, so you never went right? Okay. <clears throat> no, I was never a drinker. I started drinking kind of heavily after I left. Not, I mean, not heavily like a real man, but like for a... Certainly heavily for someone who's never really been a, a drinker. No, no, yeah. Um, because that, that's not, that's not natural. And if, if that's natural, I think, to, yeah, uh, then I would... I think you probably keep a hell of a lot of who you really are away from yourself yeah. because that is not a natural thing to do everyone loves it everyone loves people looking at them if you're good and if you're doing good everyone loves people going you're good but to be stood there whilst it's happening ain't normal it's not and maybe I'm being unfair certainly for me I find that I don't know I've, I've certainly looked at people who certainly think they're good well no they certainly exist yeah. and uh, you know, they're out there yeah well they seem like they're having a good time that's the that's the Paradox. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a good time, aren't they? <laughs> Those nameless, rich few. So did the confidence... When did the confidence start to grow, then? I had two, two people tell me... One of the first times any, anyone... Alan, I don't know if you know a man called Alan Wills. He no. was... Um, he was the guy who found or saw the coral first, I know, um, was our manager and then created our record label, the Delta Sonic, that we would then eventually, he would then sell half to Sony and he was kind of, he had a very similar upbringing to me in that he'd lost his elder brother and right. was, had, had developed shock um, and tried to ground himself in unhelpful ways and you know he's just was the first person my whole life actually I was like Jesus Christ thanks for you kind of being that beacon a little bit yeah because um, he'd, he'd, he'd won a little bit Alan he'd, he'd um, he was mad I mean he was clearly fucking bonkers but he was he was, he was, a, he was energy he was real and he was positive and he, he'd, he'd come through it essentially he bounced back um, so he Hey, well, uh, well, we were making the, well, the Roots and Echoes. I'd just come back to the band because I'd left. I'd been given leave and I'd been called back to do that record and that was not... That was a strange... I shouldn't have come back, essentially. It was weird. They were in a place and I was... Because you weren't in the right place to come I back. I was not... Yeah, I was, like, it, weren't, it weren't good. But Alan used to come to the studio... And come and see me and just ask how I was doing, you know, like that that kind of stuff. And he asked me if I've been, he saw my notebooks and he asked if I've been writing. So I showed him my first songs I'd written. And he was like, You're really good. You're really good. You've got to, like, do this. And, and like, he'd always tell me I was good. I knew I was a good guitarist. I knew I was good musically. Yeah. That, that was the only bit of confidence I had. I was very good looking as well. At this point, I was. <laughs> what do you mean? You're still very no, good looking. I'm, I'm, well, <laughs> looking. You're Come still on. okay. Okay. No, stop. 
<laughs> Stop. Keep going, keep going. Um, no, but no, that that was that was a joke. But um, so uh, yeah, Alan. When Alan said that, then that I started to think, oh, that's good because I really enjoy what I'm doing here. Like I think my songs are better than what what the Coral are doing at, the, at that time. Yeah. Um, certainly, the more well, as I start to develop my own taste, like Coral songs, are brilliant. It's imagery and word wordplay, and the music I like is not, you know, that's it's as simple as that, really. Yeah. Or it's not that it's not, but it's certainly not that it's not. It's um, taste change. Yeah, taste yeah, change, yeah. and that's exciting. Yeah, and, and everybody has different yeah, opinions. No, otherwise, but I'm just explaining that's where my head works. Yeah, I, just, I liked it when they were singing to me in my headphones. Eros Childs telling me about who he is. Mm. Like that's that's what gets me on. You know. So anyway, Al, and then um, and just to, just so I just wanted to ask: Did you feel that showing the, those first songs to Alan because you had a nice complicity with him, it was a safe place to show him? And did you feel comfortable showing? Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. I knew I knew he'd I knew he'd like them, you know. I knew he he'd say you're good go, and go truthfully, out. Yeah. I knew I knew he'd say, and you'd take his opinion because you trusted him. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I probably needed it, you know. You probably needed to have that little bit of confidence put in you. Yeah, well, suppose. it didn't go anywhere for like six years, anyway. You know, I kept writing and things like that, but I knew it was—it was not at that point. The coral was not. It was that record with me was a bit of a show. Like it's a good record, but the whole that year or so, three years really, the year outside of the record. Yeah, it was strained and it was. Yeah, you know, poorly managed. So there's no no point in me bringing them in or trying to. I didn't really want to be in the band. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I certainly didn't want to make my you know do anything myself. I don't know what I was I wanted to do. Anyway, uh, did you feel quite lost at that time personally? Then, if you didn't, know I was. You? That was the. It was after my breakdown. You know, it was, it was like I never recovered. It took me. Ten years to to really even begin to become close to who I was before that all, all that carry on you know and that and I resented that they didn't acknowledge it and they resented um, that I was not playing my little role in in their supergroup anymore yeah and we were all wrong really you know we were all we all got it wrong yeah because um, we were all lunatics in our own way the people to blame that I still blame are the people who were sat above us you know they let us all down really and kind of very very close we got very close to ruining some very important friendships you know and yeah. I, I, don't, I don't forgive that particularly when when you're dealing with young people you know if you're at the top because you feel you weren't looked after not just not looked after I think we were we were we, we were they're, they're bad people, the people who manage them. I don't think they're good people. And that's it, you know. Yeah. I think some people are breadheads and give less of a fuck about you. Um, and I just, again, I, I, I'd never say any more than that. Do you know what I mean? But you just, you can't, you can't 
have them people anywhere near your fucking head, can you? No. You know, they've just got to be gone yeah. to the end. And I feel, even thinking about them, I can see a couple of the faces and it, it makes me feel a way that I don't like feeling. And you just got to go, bah, gone. But yeah, absolutely lost in answer to your question. It was, I, um, oh yeah, I was up to all kinds. It was really, really, um, it was really hard, you know, really hard. Mm. That's <clears throat> and then and then Lawrence Bell came, in, who is the owner of Domino Records. And when was this? What what year was this? When Lawrence phoned me, it was two thousand nine. Right. Um, I just had a diagnosis for a mental illness that had been undiagnosed for probably fifteen years, really. And what was that? That so, um, it's a dissociative disorder that I have, which is um, very simple things, very super interesting things. And so it's it, it's really strange, actually. What what in an adult is a diagnosis of a dissociative disorder? The same thing in a child is a defense mechanism to stop you from, well, to enable you to live. Right. So as a so as a child, my shock when when our Daniel passed, um, the shock. So your body just goes into shock. Just so, so that person is, for my life for six years of my life, just was absolutely was just a Daniel sh- blank Daniel shaped kind of hole. Yeah. That there was not conscious of him. There was no memory of him. It was just he's not there. And as a child, it's super important that you are not having to deal with you know morality at the age of. Um, seven, mm. which I was. Which is, so it's brilliant, and it, it helped me forge this imagination, which has probably become my livelihood. So you have this grace period where my childhood, believe it or not, was really quite sweet. Daniel had died, my parents were coping, but I was just kind of allowed to live in the fairies a little bit. And then yeah. secondary school and puberty gets a bit real for everyone and then the band happens and you've got all this pot and drugs and all and then as an adult when stress happens and your, your brain being the learned thing that it is because I know how to react to stress or sadness and I'm just going to turn myself off for a little bit Yeah, you can fuck off on, on autopilot and I'll go on a break and I'll check back in with you in like, you know, three or four months or whatever. So that started happening to me around, to my, to, to, that, yeah, my, it's like it remembered that it could do that in about 2008 and just went, started to go walk about um, and I had, over the course of four years, maybe four or five quite serious episodes, months, you know. Really? Just gone, just, not quite a fugue state. So, so like, uh, it's not. I don't have psychosis. So, uh, it's it's quite specific. It's called depersonalization, derealization. Um, it's very. You know, um, the opposite of déjà vu, jamais vu. It's yeah. just Everything's. I recognise everything, but yeah. it don't feel right. Or yeah. like, this is the first time. This feels like the first time it's happened, but I know it's not. It's like that. For months and it's consuming so when, when, when a psychosis kind of when someone switches 
And the brain goes, they just follow the rules that are there for them. I'd argue it's probably less harrowing. It's more dangerous. Yeah. Because, you know, you're, you're way, way, way out there with psychosis. What people like me have is you, you have this... Your brain goes walk about. Your emotional sensor goes walk about. And that's how we remember who we are. And you're left with this adult brain. Whereas as a child, you just... You, you just oh, be a ninja or something like that for yeah. a couple of weeks or whatever. As an adult, your brain goes, oh, well, well, how I need to make sense of the world now. And I'm left with nothing. So your parents are like, you're looking at your parents like nothing, no one, you know, again, nothing from anyone. You don't even like, look at yourself in the mirror. It doesn't look like who you think you are. Your voice feels like coming from another place. It's, um, it's ugly. It's really, really fucking horrible. I know a few people have got it, actually, and I think it was... Much like ME in the in the eighties and seventies, right. it was completely not really understood and not really believed. I think for a, certainly, I should have had a diagnosis way before I found out myself and went to a specialist and said, "Have you read about this?" I was like, "Oh, I really?" So got you, a little bit, yeah. In Walton, the, uh, Walton so you researched it and, and looked, yeah. So it was like a self-diagnosis, really. I just, I was. Uh, I was like uh, heavily medicated. You they just keep keep trying new things, and you know, keep trying this. It's your serotonin levels. You can't cope with stress. And everyone was on the right right channels. Like, mm. You know, you can't cope with stress. <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah. and, you know. Um, so you so you spend what do you do if you're obsessed with yourself? You spend so. So I sorry. Let's go back. Consciously trying to make sense of why you don't feel like you belong, you're here. Why you're not here? That's the feeling. The feeling is like I'm not here. Yeah. And all oh, this isn't real. They're the two main things. So I had convinced myself the first time this happened. I convinced myself it was two and a half months. This went on. I'd convinced myself that I was in like a Sims type computer game. That was absolutely made more sense than anything else. But I hated it and it scared me. So I wasn't. I wasn't completely gone. I was yeah. like, well, that's my reality now. Right. I, I was aware that that was fucked. And, it, and, and every minute of every day was, that can't be right. Like, I've got to feel something for my mum. Like, um, and that's, that first one was when I wrote the first record in that. Because in that, the, the only thing that I had, aside all that, was for some reason this book that, I, that I'd just finished or just finished a few years previous and this type of music that I'd started listening to, something, even though I didn't know my own parents or felt no love from anyone, there was something that I, I still had clung emotionally, even though, you know, my brain had gone walkabout, you know. What was it that you were listening to musically? It, it, was, it was things like... Um, um, Michael Galasso, uh, instrumental kind of post-classical film score. Right. Of, uh, um, Shigeru Mibayashi and um, Ebel Kozeniowski and um, it's like the European, easier to understand modern classical music. Really, that was yeah. just my introduction into re kind of immersing myself in in, my, in the greats and Elgar and Chopin and all. You know the people that I really love. Um, 
And that, that is, I, I genuinely believe, aside from all the beautiful experiences I've had with music, that when, when you're vacant and you are, and, we, and like, that's not uncommon. My, my, my instance there is quite specific to me, but very, super, super common that at some point we will all stare into that void and know that void and that landscape of yeah. nothing and, wow, everything's gone and it's just me and this... Thing. And in that moment, if someone, if you find, if, if in that moment when everything else has escaped you and you have one thing, you're going to hold on to that thing, aren't you? You're going to go, well, that absolutely is meant to be with me yeah. for whatever reason. And I'm fucked if I'm letting go of that. Yeah. You know? um, and so you wrote F during that time? During that, that, that period, yeah. I think that's, yeah. So for those people who don't know, just listening, so the uh, the concept of it, the concept <clears throat> that's not the right, is that the right? Yeah, yeah. So you read "If on a Winter's Night, a Traveller," and can you sort of take it from there for yeah. me? Because <laughs> you'll um, you'll be much more eloquent. Well, than no, I. it's I I I um I can explain the book a little bit. It helps. I essentially wrote a piece yeah. of music for for. 10 chapters out of this book. Yeah. And they were the easiest way for people to picture it, uh, which is not how I intended, but imaginary film score, which for me is slightly jarring because it's not, in my, I don't know, it doesn't, that doesn't work for me, that as an idea, that does not, I don't, doesn't excite me if someone says I'm doing an imaginary film score. Yeah. I don't want that. Which is why I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Sending your daggers <laughs> over through the pop shield. He's not. He's not. Um, the, 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 what, what the, did, sorry, what did you um, imagine for it then? So, Because so, I, I understand what you mean, but... Mm, cause but for, like, these, for, for these... For these shit munchers, you don't. <laughs> yeah. No, for these people listening who will listen to this episode and then they'll go back... Yes, and, and buy and, and they'll go back several and, copies. And, and buy... Lots of copies of it <laughs> and, and listen to it like I did at home yeah. when it first came out. It's, it, I think so, this would be very interesting for him, you say. So, so that novel is written by a man called Italo Calvino. He's a wonderful writer. Um, you have to invest in that you're, you're a central character in this novel. He explains this to you at the start. Um, he sets the scene for you, turn off the TV. You're, you, know, you are here. You're being read, essentially. This character in chapter one... Um, Starts reading this book, which it, which is misprinted. So we only get the first chapter of this misprinted book. And you, the character who reads that first chapter, the next chapter is then you going, shit, where's the rest of my book? I've got to go and find my book. It's like an Eden Blighton thing without the dice. <laughs> you know? Um And, yeah, and so this, this follows, essentially. And what Calvin was trying to get at is this, 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 how when we stumble upon the, 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 that first meeting with any piece of art, that ticks boxes for us immediately. How, how that has all the promise of everything you've ever wanted from any piece of art. Um, so it, he's essentially saying that, and well, I, I think like, um, me and the internet agrees. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, that that the, you know the, the writers bless them are dealing with a with a 
pretty tricky format in the start, middle, end. It's got to end, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but nothing ends, and you know, no one wants anything to end. I don't think really. You know, it, it, it's a very, very hard thing. I mean, that final kind of blow of the whistle is quite a tricky thing to get right. Quite often, it's more often than not, why I tend to get bored of books three quarters way through personally. Yeah. Like, oh, kind I've of add it. Low, I've got loads yeah. of those. <laughs> These are These are all um, mine. <laughs> the it's a very hard thing to do. Like and, and also I like the first bit because I go, Oh, I'm in. Like he's he's got me here. And then you can see I sorry, I say him. That's not No uh, yeah, that's that's just No, a, I think we all know what you it's mean. It's just an yeah. easier yeah, um they um it's, I'm addressing that. I don't know where it comes from. Anyway, but um, also you were talking about that specific book yeah, as I was, well. Yeah, so thank you. Um, I get, um, you, I, I worry about people when they're writing books when you're reading them. In what way do you worry? Because it's like, oh shit, they're losing it here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can a little see bit. It, yeah. like, I'm not like a great reader, sorry. I'm, like, I, and I don't, I don't probably understand the nuance because I'm a musician. You know, I, my world exists in music. I, I, Kind of just what he's getting at is how do I create this? How do I? Oh, thanks, Chris Griff. How do I um, maintain this sense of magic that only comes? So, musically speaking, if you're a player, you hear that song, you hear "Love Will Tear Us Apart" first time, and you go, "Oh, that is ma- like that's magic." How's that? What is that? I don't even know. And then. You know, years later, you work out the mechanics. There's one very... I mean, it's still magic. Don't be wrong. And it's still one of my favourite things ever. The mechanic of what's so clever about it is a complete accident. It's a very boring technical thing. When you learn... When you learn the song inside out, no matter how much you love it, it is not the same as that first hit. That first hit slaps you around the face and makes you think about that. It's it's that. It's just that wake up to oh my god, I'm alive in this, and then that has to go, and it's replaced by remember all those great times that I had when I heard this song, and you know it, it, it morphs into the, the, your need, yeah, as a listener uh, to sum yourself up, to understand yourself in that in that way. Um, so what Calvino, I think, is trying to do is just prolong that. In a format that it cannot be prolonged indefinitely, it has to. Be. So, so in every chapter, because I'm so interested in that as well, in, in this, in in the magic that is art before you know it, before you know how it works. Each of those ten chapters that never finish, those ten first chapters, I wrote some music inspired by, and it, it's as simple as all that. Yeah. Shite that I just said. It's as simple as a piece of music inspired by a chapter. Yeah, inspired, I think that is, that the, is a good that word, is, isn't it? Yeah, really? I think that's all right, especially when you listen to the album. I stumbled on that. like, But the, but that was the thing, like, I spoke to, um, <clears throat> I had to, I wrote to um, Calvino's wife Did to you? ask permission. Got it translated into Italian, not knowing she was Argentinian. <laughs> Sent it to her and all this. And then years later, interviewed Ludvico Einaudi. He's a pianist and brilliant writer. Who and his father? I think no. Is it his father was super close with Calvino, 
or Calvino's wife or his mother was super close with Calvino. And I said, you know, I wrote to her and he was like, oh, Calvino would have loved this. You know, this is exactly the kind of thing that... Wow. Like, it's a slightly different way of thinking about how we put art across and, like... And the beauty of someone taking what is his and making it theirs, I mean, that's what he's asking the reader to do, is to go, well, I'm in this, I'm... So, in the the most brilliant way, like, all, all instrumental music says to its listener... What what are you? You know, that's what it's asking. It's yeah. saying, can you place yourself in me, the music? And will you let me, the music, be in your in your in your world? Um and that's what the book's saying to the reader. It says, let's, let's tag up, you know, let's team up in this and let's see if we can and um I find there's something Something really I, I, that's the that's the narrative that I like between who makes the music and who receives the music you know i like that's i there's a guy I follow called Hugh he's a great guy I follow him on instagram he's got a he's got a he's got a blog he's dead into mountains as a Welshman right he just goes up in the mountains with his two lads that's his you know likes the clothes and likes you know and it's them people I think about when I was making this record, I thought about him, I was like, he's, they're the people with the earphones in them places, they're in their world and they've cemented their world. They're like, I've created my world and I want in that for a little bit. Yeah. And I want them to have a little bit of that. And then psh, 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 psh. That's, that's the dialogue. I don't want the, I don't want the, the, um, what, what I'm having for breakfast dialogue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, I, I don't think it's a shame because we we can do so much now. We've got such a voice to say good things and help people, but at the same time, I, I you know, I love like, bunny men. You never really it was never much about them. You know, yeah. I love the enigma, of the artist just doing his thing and being sort of obsessed. But how do you weigh up them things? You know, I don't know if you can. No. Right, so okay. Do you still get nice ins- one? You- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here for some, I'm here for an answer. Okay. I can't give you one. Mm. Sometimes. No, you don't. You're, you're absolutely right. I was thinking about questions the other day, and if one person comes to me with a <clears throat> a concern or a problem, I can give you my take on it. Mm. What 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 I think? That's just what I think. Mm. Whereas if we ask. Griff or we ask you or if we ask seven other people we'll probably get seven or eight or nine different mm. takes and maybe if we take a little bit from that a little bit from that a little bit from that <clears> maybe we will have an answer but I don't know yeah. if you ask one person one thing yeah I don't know I've completely gone off on one I was talking about something else I, I do that all the time particularly when people are asking me things that I haven't thought about for a while I did a phone interview the other day with some American guy bless him he was not in a good way this poor son he just he just listened to... He just was the first interview I've done for this new record. Oh, really? And he just listened to the album. He was like, I've just listened to it like six times yesterday. I was like... That's... But he, he was alluding... He was I mean, alluding, brilliant, but come no, no. on. <laughs> he was alluding to, like, life stuff going on. But right. I was like, oh, Christ, they should have given it to some, like, like 20-year-old shit kicker, you know, and really fucked them up. Not some, like, 50-year-old poor sod. But he was asking me much, like... Yourself, you ask your things that you only ever half think about because it's too hard to reach 
it's, it makes sense of. So you just kind of like you, know, you stress yourself out thinking about how do I feel about this or you know, what's this? How do I feel about like the coral or you know like yeah. how much do I talk about my mental and <clears throat> and you start and you go oh Christ uh, I don't, I've never. Last time I thought about this, I definitely didn't tie it up well enough for it to be on a podcast. But no, but of course you don't. But that's why, you know, generally on the podcast, I very rarely talk about jobs with mm. with actors. I don't talk about it because... You know, ask me I, about the fucking coral, though. I know, but it is, that's my point. It's <laughs> what I'm coming to. I don't want anything to be uh, boring or narcissistic or anything when, it, when it's actors, because actors can have a bit of a, a bad reputation. I don't want to... <clears throat> talk about the jobs people know that but if I'm talking to a poet or I'm talking to a musician or I'm talking to an artist (laughs) very good but in that line of work I want to because I don't know about that line of of work that's all new to me and hopefully it's it's new to people listening but also I need to keep what is the heart and soul of the podcast which is the human being so I need to that's why I'm trying to learn about balancing the two when, the, when, it's, when, it, when it's not an actor, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You wind an actor up and it's fine, they'll just go off. But, you know, and I, that's why I wanted to talk about the the the, the making of the band. Yeah, of course. And joining it, because it all connects with who you are. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And it's something, and like, I am winding you up, like, it's something that's become, particularly in the last year, when I've seen more of the lads. Cause it was something that I was, like, I tried musically, I feel very in a very different place to them. Um, um, not just in terms of record sales, or uh, but you know, like yeah, but it's, I know, and your little wry smile there. I know, I know you don't mean that. But you no, mean but, something else yeah, altogether. Yeah, totally. But like, um, and and like, I didn't like it. I didn't like the word for a long time. Like bad memories. And all. But in the last few years, I've realised it's actually cool that like, and I, I, I love seeing the lads now. I love, and it's so. The more I think about it, just I've obviously formative that whole thing was and how mad that thing was I mean that was you know it was it was a silly time anyway but um, but like six months ago I would have really shied away from that you know but, um, so yeah I guess you got us at a good time even only six months ago what? you would have shied away from it I would have just thought fucking dickhead ask me about that <laughs> you know well, because, cause, you know, for, you know, tend not to anymore. But for, yeah, it's something that people just say a lot. And you reviews and that, they don't really... Just because they, you know, word count and all that stuff. But it does, particularly when you're, like, doing the nature of the kind of stuff that yeah. I do, where you feel like, well, really, like, the coral doesn't really have any place in my world. You know, in... in I think you certainly had it with some of the reviews from the first album, but I think it's slowly... Uh, no, it doesn't uh, tend to happen anymore. It doesn't it's fair. tend to happen, no. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I'm glad of that. I think I deserve that as well, you know. Yeah, I think you deserve it, mate, to be honest. But it's... Again, it's not something that I'm not But it is kind of cheap, or... cheap and lazy journalism because they need, <clears throat> they need that. Well, it's, it's weird. It's in the same breath. They say it like <clears throat> collaborators such as... Ex-choral guitarists, collaborators such as Paloma Faith and Graham Coxon. Because when I was... Like living back at my mum's when I when I when I was really unwell, Converse offered me ten grand to go and be in a music video, something, and I said no twice, and my mum went, "You're take them, <laughs> take them," and, they, and but they will still say, essentially, it's the same thing. I think they just go, "Oh, 
Christ, how do we flesh this out? Because he's he's writing about books and shit. Yeah. He's writing about books. People don't like blood books anymore. They like yeah. Paloma Faith and Graham Cox. <laughs> yeah. I do like Graham Cox and Paloma Faith for, for that matter. But... No comment. No, I do. I like Graham Coxon. Next minute, they'll be calling you a, a solo artist. Imagine. And to be honest, the more I talk, this this is the kind of shit that I would love not to be in it because I just think you don't want, you never want to hear like a whining little bitch complain about. Well, they say the coral, and you know, it's just not. It's just not fucking important. That it's a positive thing that band. That's that's the. God, anyway. Yeah, but you learn from the positivity comes out of those situations, surely. <clears throat> yeah, no, I know, but that's so that's what I want to. I want to. I want to moan about them, you know, saying that it's, it's really doesn't. The word solo is much, much more of it. That's why I said it again because I knew it would annoy you. Didn't annoy me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Didn't thanks so much, man. It was brilliant. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Do people always reach over for the hand? They do. Afterwards? Sometimes people do shake man. And there we go. Um, it was a real pleasure. I'd never met Bill before. I'd been a, a, a big fan of his work, and I really wanted to sit down and have and have an atta with him. And I'm really pleased we did. Um, I loved it. And look, I don't want to get all... Do you, do you know when you watch like a programme or something on the telly and at the, the end credits it goes, look, if you've been affected by the subject in this television series, I don't want to get all that. But look, if you are suffering from any form of anxiety or worry, you know, talk, talk to people uh, and, and they'll listen. Hopefully they'll listen and you can get some sort of clarity. And just remember, like Rome wasn't built in a day, and I don't want to be all cliche, but you know, just let's 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 talk, keep the conversation going because it's healthy for all of us. Um, massive thank you to Bill for agreeing to come on. I know he was he was a bit mad busy. He was jumping on a train down to London to sign like loads of albums after he'd been with us. So I really appreciate it if you're listening, Bill. Even if you're not, I still really appreciate it. Well, yeah. Episode 54 is done. Uh, and look, thank you so much for joining us and for subscribing and downloading. And you know we have a Patreon site, right? Me and Griff do this, you know, out of the goodness of our hearts and the goodness of our wallets. If you like what we do, which is every Thursday we give you a new free episode, we've got a Patreon site. It's patreon.com forward slash the Two Shot Podcast. Over there you can bung us whatever you want. If you think it's worth a pint, do that. If you think it's worth a couple of pints, do that. No problem. But look, maybe you can't afford to do it. Or you don't want to. What we'd really like is if you told a friend or you sent a link to the podcast and go, do you know what? Trevor, Steve, Dan, Jennifer, Tracy, whoever you are, have a listen to this podcast. We think it's pretty good. You might like it. Spread the word and... That'd be great for us. Leave the review, leave them five stars, we'll be happy. Um, we're still going to carry on making them free, but your help and support is greatly appreciated. And for all those new Patreon members, I've got some beautiful exclusive TSP badges coming in the post for you. Right. Well, 
enough of this waffle from me. You've got things to do, so have I. Get on with your day, enjoy yourself, take care of yourself, okay? Lots of love, I really appreciate you being here. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson, he's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Cheers. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Two Shot.